Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of Africa Made, brought to you by Tao Athletics. My name is Yanni Kreese, and I'm a fashion entrepreneur, as well as a co-founder and CEO of Tao Athletics. Africa Made is a podcast series that seeks to demystify greatness by profiling some of the most successful athletes and individuals from the continent who have gone on to blaze an international trail. In this episode, we are joined by our very own, the illustrious Springbok rugby legend, Francois Hogart. Francois, welcome back to the show, brother. How you boys, doing? Boys, 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 back in the building. It's, uh, it's nice to join you guys again. What's up? Welcome, brother. Welcome, brother. Obviously, we're back. This is episode two. My name is Yannick Kaoma. I'm the co-founder of Dow. I'm a fashion, media, and advertising entrepreneur as well. So we obviously had an amazing episode one. So we're back for episode two. So shout out to my brothers. I think we're about to have like a very lekker uh, conversation. I've got my, you know, nice little red wine, cap salve, you know, on, on deck. So, you know, let's, yeah, let's have a good convo, boys. Let's kick off. Um, Francois, people are so intrigued by your story, your career, and, you know, your transition into business. Um, and, you know, you've been in the spotlight for many years now. So, so let's kick off with a conversation around your youth. Um, tell us about where you grew up and how you fell in love with rugby. My childhood, uh, I was born in Paul. Um, shortly after that, we moved to Robertson, where I basically grew up where everything started, you know. Um, the thing I got into rugby, I was kind of born into it. My dad obviously played rugby, um, you know, from a young age, from when I could remember, I basically, you know, played the game. Um, I had this one friend who I always used to play, you know, like you play football um, in the back of your garden. I had one friend who I always used to play rugby against and I think that's where the, the memories start and where, you know, everything kicked off, you know? Interesting, interesting. I mean, you know, for, for the most part, a lot of the people that we spoke to putting this show together have all said that, you know, the transition was so natural. Um, and, you know, falling in love with the game was, was as natural as just, you know, chilling um, in the backyard, having a bri with the parents, with the family, etc. So it's very interesting, you know, as we yeah, start Yeah, I think I mainly, you know, having fun with your friends, I think that's how you fall in love with any game. I think I just grew up with rugby, you know, like you guys love football and you grew up with football. Um, you know, playing rugby, I, I fell in love with the game at a very young age. And kind of stuck to it, uh, you know, from then on. Got you. And tell us, tell us a bit about who, you know, like the heroes, your sporting heroes were. So, yeah, obviously I, you know, I think when I was young, I obviously didn't know what position I played. But, you know, you, you always go from, you know, the guys who, the Brian Banners, uh, you know, Francho Pinot, you know, that time. And obviously, you know, the further I got into the game, um, U.S. became a very big hero of mine. I think, you know, obviously playing nine, he was a massive, massive hero. Obviously, Francho Pinot captaining 1995 World Cup. And, and, you know, I don't even have to say anything about U.S. He is a massive legend. Um, and, yeah, obviously later on, people like Brian Abana, um, you know, had a massive influence in my life, in my rugby career. And later on, obviously became friends with him. But... Um, there's so many guys that I looked up to, you know, during my career. And, um, you know, there's obviously a stage where you you see these people and you put them, 
on such a big pedestal and then before you know it you actually you know become friends with them and 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 you know join join them on the pitch and it's pretty special you know you never in you know you would never ever imagine that and you know that became true and and it's obviously very very special and will always you know stay close to me that's amazing i think you know like most most of you know the average kids growing up we we didn't have you know like you said that it's crazy but or like you know you start off as having them as heroes and then you transition into you know being on the same pedestal as them should we say um i think for most kids so that's your version of the reality i think for most kids it's different because you know most kids never get to transition into being that pro um so i think the interesting correlation is like um, if I look at myself, so I played soccer, Nick played soccer. Because we didn't turn pro, we took other attributes from, you know, let's say, for example, my sporting hero growing up was Steven Gerrard. So, you know, we'd, I'd conduct myself like Steven Gerrard. I'd want to look like him. I'd want to dress like him. But the most important thing was the ethos that we took, you know, away from those people, which I think is is unique. And it's also pretty much the same as how you took, you know, things away from your heroes. Yeah, you you kind of used to dress up and do the same moves as what that guy do, you know, kind of when he scored a try. That those kind of things, you know, those are the things that you will always remember. Those, you know, little games you played in the backyard. Um, yeah, that's you know basically how how I grew up with the game and and kind of fell in love with, you know, obviously playing a sport with your mates, same as soccer or football. It is is something that you play with your mates and, and, you know, everyone can take part and have fun. And, you know, I think one of the big things is obviously building friendships within in the sport and, and within the rugby. And, you know, those friendships last forever, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, Francois, I know we're still on sport, but, you know, interestingly enough, people often ask me, like, how are you able to go to another continent and start a business? And, my, you know, my answer is always simple. It's do you know five people in this country or can you meet five people in this country? And once you meet those five people, you ask them directly, I need you to introduce me to five people. And as your network grows, so do you grow, you know, and it's mm. in all aspects of life, whether you're looking for, you know, to build an emotional life or, you know, to build a life in business or to build a life in sport or whatever it might be. Life really is about network, family and friends. So, you know, it's very interesting that that you you mention it like that. Yeah, most definitely. And I think with just another thing, I think doesn't matter what profession you are in. I think nothing when it comes to growth happens within your comfort zone. I think like you say, you go to a foreign country like Arizona, if you can meet five people, you literally have to go outside your comfort zone and meet, you know, put yourself out there, meet five people and do your thing. Otherwise, nothing is going to come of it. I think it's the same with basically anything out there. Same with rugby. You got to push, you know, do the things that other people don't want to do or put in the extra work. I know it sounds stupid, but, you know, put the extra training in or, you know, things that people don't see, you know, to become better or try and be a level better than anyone else. Yeah, I think it's as simple as the hard yards. I think it's as simple as you got to get up every day as dedicated as can be and as hungry as can be, you know, and the reality is you're only as good as your last day or you're only as good as your last check. And in sport, the saying is you're only as good as your last game. 
right? So it's amazing how these these correlations play out. So let's, you know, talking about that, let's talk about how you transitioned into becoming a professional. So you're this kid, you're growing up, you're playing um, at Paul Ruiz, um, and then you're now moving towards being a pro. What does that feel like and what does it take? Like, Tell us about it. Obviously, Paul Ruiz is a massive rugby school. Um, I still, I captain, uh, you know, the first team in my matric year and, and obviously being, you know, very proud of that. Um, even up until that stage, you know, you don't know that you're going to turn professional. It's all, for me, it was all about having fun and, and doing so with your mates in school. Um, you know, close to the end of matric, um, you start thinking about maybe academies and, and, you know, you start hearing rumors of agents or, you know, offers and, 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 you know, things to get into academies because you got a talent. And, um, I think that's, that's when things starts getting real when, you know, you know, you can, you can, you know, kind of making a career out of this. So yeah, that was, that's when things started out for me. The first year after school, I went to the Western Province Academy um, in Stellenbosch and I kind of played under 19, under 21 and senior curry cup. That was in 2007. And yeah, from that point on, you know, you kind of know there was no studying, no nothing like that. It was fully focused on rugby to develop you into becoming a pro and to see that, you know, if you can, you know, become a pro and make a career out of it. Amazing. So, Francois, man, yeah, that's amazing, man. Like, your story is very inspiring. It's, it's, it's incredible, you know. And the fact that we are having this conversation with you is, is truly incredible. So, for me, what's striking is that um, you, you had the opportunity and the privilege of representing our nation on the world stage. Uh, you know, and I think you notched about 50 caps for the box, which which is truly incredible, uh, you know, and for every kid growing up, whether you end up being a professional or not, you dream of wearing your country's colors on the global stage. And bro, you ended up doing that. And you, you know, you, and you didn't just do that on one or two occasions or five occasions. You, you did it on, you know, like almost like 50 times or whatever. So just tell me about that experience. When you first dawned that, green and gold of the Springboks. How was that experience like when you, you know, when you, when you, when you got that call up uh, and then when you joined, you know, the team or the squad or whatever, your first game and eventually for you to like almost do like 50 games, how was your experience with the box? Oh, bro, it was, it's something, it's almost something I always describe it as, um, something like skydiving, unless you are there and you're doing it, you can't describe that to someone else. You physically has, have to do it yourself. So um, incredible. It, it, it's something, you know, like you say, you grow up wanting to represent your, your country. And that's why, you know, you want to represent, you know, you want to play rugby at the highest level. And that's ultimately, you know, to play for your country. And um, obviously, you know, when I started playing professional, that was the ultimate goal and dream. And, and I've been so blessed to be able to, you know, obviously a lot of hard work, you know, got put into it. And, um, but, you know, I've also had the opportunity, you know, to, you know, 
to be able to to get to get um, you know into to the Springboks and and I think I took that opportunity and and um, made good use of it. But I think you know the first test for me was um, I obviously toured with the Springboks before and. The feeling that you have after you've played your first game for the Springboks, you know, compared to before where you've been on tour with him and never played, is the most incredible feeling. My first, um, you know, cap for the Springboks was um, I got it at the end of the year tour. And that was, you know, the 21st of September 2009. And... It's obviously a day I would never, you know, never forget. It was um, in in Italy, and I think I played about four, five or four minutes. But it's like I say, it's something you can never. It, it, it's a feeling that will always stay with me, and I think for you know every other Springbok or person who's represented their country, it will stay. That you know, it will be exactly the same. Um, it was the most incredible feeling to be part of such a special, uh, you know, occasion. And, um, you know, every single person and human being that's been in that position in that jersey before me, um, you know, it was just basically trying to, you know, to honor the jersey and, and um, you know, in some kind of level do it justice, you know. Amazing. <clears throat> I just got goosebumps uh, just hearing hearing your 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 answer because I just I put myself there. I pictured myself in your shoes in that moment, that experience, and the fact that you know you remember the date. I think you have you tatted your date that date on your on on you. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, twenty uh, third September two thousand and nine, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. So, so Francois, Francois, uh, I think last week you and I were having a, a business catch up uh, and we were on Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. And <laughs> I think it was a day after one of your big games over the weekend. And I was alarmed to see your face, you know, like, bro, you look like you had gone like 12 yeah. rounds with like Mayweather or some shit, you know? I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, some people asked me if I was in a car accident. It wasn't great. So so it was so hectic, man. And I was like, and then I quickly remember like, damn, my boy is a rugby player. So sometimes we forget how fierce rugby is. It's really competitive. It's really hardcore. And... You know what I mean? Like, you just got to bring your A game all the time. So what I wanted to ask you, you know, in the years that you've played rugby, who are some of the fiercest competitors you've ever faced, you know? Uh, and this is whether you're in the Springbok setup or in, you know, your other teams or whatever. Because obviously we know how fierce the All Blacks are, you know what I mean? Like, we grew up, like, fearing yeah. them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, who are some of the fiercest competitors that you've ever, you know, competed with? Um, I would say, obviously, the All Blacks. You know, I faced them quite a few times, and obviously, uh, a massive so. honor. Um, but I would say, obviously, you know, a lot of people would say this, but I think Richie McCaw is one of the the toughest guys, and you know, the fiercest competitors, you know, of the game. Um, Definitely for me. Um, I think I've played against quite a few people 
you know, in my time, and obviously for the Springboks and, and played against some incredible players. And I still do, you know, um, being, being overseas, but, um, it's, you know, rugby is obviously, like you say, it's, it's tough. One of our teammates, you know, got into uh, just a strange position on the field in, in a tackle and he was paralyzed on the field and, you know, that's the the scary part is you do, you, do, you never know when, you know, something like that can happen. And obviously the funny thing about it is whenever, or certainly for me, whenever I go on the field, I never ever think of getting injured. It, I think I can't think or I can't have that thought in my head that I might, you know, get injured or get hurt or something like that because I think that will throw the whole process, you know, my, my motivation and just everything out. I don't think I would be able to perform. So, you know, you kind of feel the bumps and bruises afterwards. And, and sometimes like this past weekend, I feel completely fine. The weekend before literally felt like I was in a car crash, but that happens. Um, but definitely I would say coming back to the fiercest competitor, I would say, uh, Richie McCaw. It's usually some of the forwards, someone like Bucky's Buerta. Um, I think, you know, Everyone can join me in saying that he's most probably one of the the hardest and most feared rugby players that's that's taken the the field, you know. And Bucky's Bucky's border looks like he would knock you the fuck out. Uh, yeah, I think he's done that quite a few times in his life, um, and he did it for fun. I think he, <laughs> he he did those kind of things for fun and, and smiled and laughed. I think he, you know, when he got a cut on his face. <laughs> he would just laugh at the other guy and that's when you know that that's a hard man you know that's the man that loves the game and you know he loves it when it gets you know tough and and and, and rough up front so yeah absolutely absolutely i i don't envy you my brother but at the same time i also admire uh rugby players um you know more than a lot of other athletes i know Obviously, you know, every athlete, every athlete puts a lot of work into their craft. But there's something about rugby, man. It's literally like war. You know, you guys are warriors, you know. So I admire, admire the courage uh, and that, that it takes to actually just step on that field, you know. Yeah, man. I've, I think I've been blessed with um, when it comes to injuries. I think I've, I've had maybe two or three biggish in injuries throughout my time. I've had a ele- one, one on my ankle, which I was out 11 months um, and a shoulder here and there. And the funny thing is, you know, when you get injured and you go for a scan and they say you're going to get operated on, it's almost normal. And it's funny, but it's just like you accept it and you just want to get it over and done with and start with a, you know, the, kind of the rehab process. So after we get operated, literally a few days afterwards, we are back at the club doing rehab to get that process, to get the healing done and, and, and you know, to, to get back on the pitch. And I, I just think it comes back to putting that extra work in to make sure that I do, you know, I don't, I'm in the best condition possible so that I don't get any injuries. And I think it worked for me so far. I think, like I said, I've only had about three big injuries and I'm blessed, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for, you know, for that because some players come away with massive, massive injuries and, you know, I think it cut, you know, cut their career short and 
yeah, I'm just thankful that I, I can still play the game, you know? Yeah, the rugby gods have been watching over you, my brother. Amen, amen. Yeah, absolutely. So, bro, um, I'll tell you a little bit of my, about myself, right? So, obviously, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a businessman, blah, 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 blah. However, music is a very important part of my life. Like, I mean, you guys know, like, you know, I, I think you know that I'm obsessed with music, so... I can vouch for that. I always see you posting on IG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm obsessed with music. I mean, it's, it's an open secret. But what I do is I also use music to psych myself out. So, for example, if I have a huge board meeting or I have a big presentation or pitch, you know, I have specific songs that I go to. And my, my ritual is I will play, there's a playlist that I've created of Jay-Z, some of his, like, biggest tracks, like, but, like, hardcore tracks, that psyched me up, you know what I mean? And I, you know, that morning I would bump the shit like in my whip, blah, blah, blah. When I get to the meeting, I'm like, yo, man, show me the money, you know? <laughs> I'm on that vibe. So so what what music do you, what kind of music do you play, if any, when you're trying to psych yourself up for a game? What are some of your go-to tracks that, like, put you in the zone? Oh, I, I love Drizzy, man. Now, I, I, for me, it's, Feel good music. I think whether it's sometimes you're in a different mood before a game, sometimes you want something upbeat, sometimes you want something like Drake. I obviously love Drake, but I think just a positive mm. vibe, something that puts you in a really good mood, be, you know, a happy mood, because I think when I'm happy but focused, I perform, you know, when you, when you enjoy what you do, when you're in a good mood. Um, and I think that goes for, for me personally too. I think, you know, it's so different for, you know, for other players and other people. Some people don't listen to music or some people listen to completely dis different music. But for me personally, upbeat, uh, positive, you know, Drake is always a good shout. Um, some house is always good. Uh, a little bit of old school. Yeah, of park. I, I, yeah. I, I, I see you, Be brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced um, a lot of front row's uh, music taste. and um, He loves it. Know, Come he on. Definitely, yeah, I, I love it. And he's definitely, um, he's definitely into the hip-hop the most. Um, and then the sort of, you know, preparing to go out is more sort of the the house time for the go. house music of course it's south african exactly <laughs> so um so so gents you know like uh, i was thinking about this and i was thinking about it first and foremost from the position of um our company the athletics and you know how important management is and how important the ethos is moving forward and I was sort of relating it to, I was thinking about it in context to Francois and coaches, right? And mentors. So I know, you know, Nick and I, we don't per se have a manager or a coach, but what we often do is reach out to a mentor. And I mean, I have two or three of them personally. I know Nick has, has I, I believe one or two as well, but essentially we reach out to them and we have a conversation and typically I like to, you know, just get insight. So I'm taking it in for, I don't want to 
you know, I'm there to listen. I'm a sponge, right? Fly on the wall, sponge, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it always takes me so far, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you are absorbing experience. Um, and I think, you know, for all the young business uh, people, both guys and girls listening out there, you got to get yourself a good mentor or two, you know. In your network has to be a good mentor too. So coming back to sport, Francois, who would you say was your favorite coach and why? I mean, you know, it's very true what you say. Um, mentors are massively important. I think that's where, like you say, you learn. You kind of get molded into, you know, the person and, and, and kind of more business brain that you are. But for me, I've worked with a lot of great coaches and, and I think my personal favorite would be when I was at Western Province in that Paul Ruiz, I worked with um, Darby Snayman and as a backline player, he developed, you know, my mostly my skills and that's what is most important, you know, to a backline player. Um, and obviously, you know, as a backline player, that's where you have the most fun is where, when you do skills and stepping and that kind of thing. Um, so I would definitely say, say Davis name and he was, he had a massive influence in my, my life, my life, um, you know, growing up and obviously, you know, developing my skills and, you know, I think one of the most important things in rugby is your two feet, um, and him helping me develop, you know, into a player who's got, I would have said or thought that I've got okay feet on the rugby field. Um, yeah, most definitely my favorite person and, and coach to have worked with. No, I think you've got better than okay feet. Um, there's, there's numbers, numbers don't lie. So, you know, you can always uh, oh, reference those. Cheers, man. Thanks. Um, Appreciate it. Brother, um, you know, I think, well, not I think, I know that in every um, successful person's life, there's an amazing network. And that's really what the question was centered around because every real top athlete will always talk about a coach who gave them a start, but also taught them the most, you know, they gave them that foundation. Um, I think, you know, and most times it's not coaches at their current club it's yeah. uh, that transition between youth and pro coach and I think that's exactly what um, Donis Neyman was for you right 100% definitely and and also another coach that gave me I think this was the coach that gave me the break that I needed I never like I said I never played Craven Week at school and I think for you to be able to become a professional sports you know, well, let's say a rugby player, you have to play, basically have to play Craven Week and then you go on to play Junior World Cup. And then from there on, you usually get, you know, your first contract and stuff. And I never played Craven Week, but I got an opportunity to go to the trials to play, you know, to get into the Junior Under-19 and Under-20 World Cup. And if it wasn't for Mr. Fannikar at Paul Ruiz, I would have never been able to to represent my country um, you know, at the under uh, under nineteen and under twenty World Cup. So it's, I think in life it's you know it's such. If I never had that opportunity, I don't think I would have. Well, I kind of know I wouldn't have been here. It's um, I think it's you only need one opportunity, and if you make, 
you know, if you make the most out of that opportunity, in this this case, you know, I became a professional sports, uh, professional rugby player, and I've been playing for what 12, 13 years. That's true. That's very true. So, I am very, very thankful for for that opportunity. Yeah, I think there's those are two um, pillars, uh, you know, for a successful life. One is gratitude. So I like to say gratitude changes everything. And two, um, you've got to take every opportunity like it's your last. Um, 100%. You know, hearing what you said, I think we need to reach out to both Mr. Sneeman and Mr. Van Niekerk and make sure they listen to this because I think it will it'll really give them even more meaning. Um, you know, I think that really appreciate that. So, <clears throat> you know, now that you've spent 12, 13 years as a professional, not playing, but as a professional. Um, what would you say or what advice would you give to aspiring athletes to make them successful on and off the field? Well, if I look at myself, I would say, you know, kind of from the start, I would say just have fun. Have fun in whatever you do because you know, from the, from when I can remember, I never knew that I was going to make a career out of it, but I, I always had fun. I had fun and, and I enjoyed, you know, what I did. Um, I had fun with my friends and later on that became a career. I think if you, in anything in life, if you don't enjoy what you do, you have to stop because it's going to be torture and nothing good is going to come off it. So I think for young athletes getting into into it obviously there's the hard work and you know always work on your craft and and this and that but most important is to have fun i think when you have fun you automatically do well in anything and um yeah there's all the serious stuff about training hard and always pushing and this and that but when you're a young athlete just have fun man enjoy it out there yeah yeah, I got you, bro. I think like for young, all young guys, all young girls out there, like, you know, we've been through a very interesting time with the pandemic, um, you know, unprecedented definitely in our lifetime. And I think, you know, that's part of our mission at Dathletics is just to give people a different perspective. Just be, you know, just be, man. No one should be doing anything that does not fulfill them. And I know that it's difficult at times. I know at times we have to do things we don't want to do to get by, but we need to do whatever we can to push through those moments and just, you know, live life to the fullest. 100%. Because you never know when it's going to be your last. Absolutely. And to echo to echo your sentiments, gents, more than ever, I think people must take this opportunity um, from the pandemic. Obviously, it's, you know, it's hurt a lot of people, devastated lives, change people's lives forever. Uh, but I think it allows for introspection, you know? Um, and I personally wouldn't, wouldn't urge anyone to do things that they're not passionate about. Life is just too damn short now, you know? Like, you know, don't waste your time doing things that don't fulfill you. Uh, and then you really have to like, you know, do a lot of work on yourself, uh, you know, a lot of work on yourself, do a lot of healing, and then eventually find out what your purpose in life is, and then pursue things, uh, adventures, etc., that are obviously in line with your purpose. I think 
that should be your mission. And I think that's our mission at, at our athletics, obviously, you know. And, you know, Francois, I think you are an embodiment of that because you are extremely passionate about rugby. Rugby makes people happy. You know, it gives people joy. It's an amazing thing to be a part of. But I also know that you've, uh, you're a passionate businessman um, and you have, you know, real ambitions in that space. Can you... Tell us about why, even in your prime as a rugby player from a couple of years ago to like now, you've always taken, you know, liking to business. You always had like a few business ventures on the go. You know, why are you involved in business? And what, is, what are some of the ventures that you've, involved, you've been involved in? And what are some of the lessons you've learned in the process? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously as a professional sportsman, you know, we are so blessed to be able, you know, to network, first of all, with, you know, at functions or wherever it might be, you meet the most interesting and, you know, biggest businessmen around. And um, if you are switched on, you make the most of the opportunities and, you know, you start networking with people. And, and like I say, you get so many of these opportunities. And I think a lot of people maybe they don't think like that, but I think you it's it's massively important that you you take those opportunities because like you know, rugby's got a shelf life and um you know it's not gonna go on forever. I think it's most definitely um you know we definitely get a unbelievable opportunity to to not only invest in business but to start off because I think everyone wants to be associated with someone, um, you know, famous or someone out there, someone who's playing for the Springboks or representing their country or some hero to someone. So I think that, that is, that is definitely, um, something. And, and I think most important for me is, it's not necessarily about the business. I think it's about the company and the, the business partners, so to say, I think, you know, obviously, with you guys in Tar Athletics, um, it's the most important, you know, aspect of it. Who you go in business with, I think, if you have a strong partnership and 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 strong relationships between one another, you understand one another. I think it's that's mas massively crucial. You know, I think, you know, I've done, um, I've been fortunate enough to to obviously start, you know, getting into business with Yanni um at gold street and you know that that was obviously for us it was a massive you know learning curve you know through our time but but it was it was school fees and it was an unbelievable experience and i think it, it set us up for for you know for bigger things and you know obviously i had the opportunity to to um to get into business with you guys and i think it's i couldn't have asked for any better you know, business partners than you guys. You guys, we are all different, but so alike. I think we all sit on, you know, Yanni's in, in, in Arizona, you in SA, I'm in, in, in the UK, but we're all completely on the same level. And I think that's what it's all about is who you go in business with, your business partners, the relationship. Because I think when things fall apart, when you, you know, are in a business with someone, I think you can kiss that goodbye. That's 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 done. <laughs> Absolutely. I think for me personally, it's um, 
it's an honor to uh, you know to be you know in business with you, gents. Obviously, I admire you know both you cats, uh, and like you said, you know we share you know we share a lot in terms of values because that's for me that's the key. It's the values, hundred percent, you know, and then the vision of the business, and then the work ethic, etc. You know, yeah. I think if you have those ingredients and qualities in place, you can literally, literally get to the moon you know, with the peeps that you're working with, you know, like, that's what I believe in. So would you say then, uh, Francois, that your post-retirement plan is clear? Very, very clear. Your post-retirement plan is to be a business mogul invested in multiple ventures, operating in multiple territories across the world. Would you say thriving, that's your post-retirement thriving, plan? Thriving, my brother. Yeah, 100%. I think... I think it's 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 important and I smell I smell a lot of money in your future, brother. Yeah, yo, let's go. <laughs> no, for me it's not about the money. It's for me it's I've it's hard to describe, man, but for me it's I wake up every morning with a burning desire to be super successful. And to some people when you describe what you're going to be one day or what you want to achieve, they laugh at you. And for me, that is, I love that, man. I love nothing more than that because for me, that gives me extra fuel to do better. And um, yeah, I'm obviously, you know, working on quite a few things. Um, yeah. Always looking for new opportunities. But in saying that, I don't want to do too much. I don't want to be involved in too much because you need to be hands-on in whatever you do. I don't, I, I think if you've got too many things on the go, you might, you know, kind of slack in one one of the companies or one of the positions you are in. And, you know, I want to be hands-on with everything I do and I want to make sure that I know whatever I do, I want to make sure that I know that role and I can execute and grow whatever, let's say, for instance, Tao. We want to grow this into a massive, massive empire. And they're going to see us on the Forbes list. Don't worry about that soon. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Let's Yo, go. Can we have? Can, can we? Can we? Can we get the? Um, uh, what you call that? What you call that? You know, like in the club when you get that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You see, I'm not scared to say these things because I kind of look at it from a point where is. If I wake up every single morning with a burning desire to be successful, it must mean something. Like some days you feel a bit flat and you this, but that desire to be successful, and it's not about the money. The money comes later. When you enjoy and when you are passionate about what you do, the money will come, but it's my desire to be successful in whatever role that might be, you know, in, in whichever company. And I'm not going to start something kind of just to, you know, just to take part. We want to take over. That's that's it. End. Want to take over. Oh, that's powerful. You don't want to start something just to take part. You want to start something so that you can take over. That's it. Ah, I love that. And most important with you boys. That's a quote. That's a fucking quote, my boy. That's clean. So, Let's go. so I know it's not about the money, but... It's about the money. And if you know, you know. It's fine. I won't elaborate. 100%. The beauty of money is that it buys you freedom. You know, it gives you choices. 
it, it gives you opportunities. Um, you're able to like, also just really just enjoy life. I think that's what life is short. Hundred percent. You know, like it's there to be enjoyed. And you know, if you work hard the way you have worked hard, you deserve the finer things in life. And if there's one thing I know about yeah. you, Francois, is that you're all about that. Like you know, you love dope shit. You love fly stuff. Why not enjoy the journey along the way? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Freedom. So, bro, I know you're into like dope whips, you know, sports cars, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. Uh, you know, so let's have a little bit of fun with that, you know. Yeah. What 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 are you currently driving? I know there's a lot of people listening here, you know, that are like sharp, you're an amazing athlete, you got all these springboard caps. Sure, we see you, but What's the lifestyle looking like, Playboy? What's your what are you whipping right now? And what are some of the other whips that you've whipped in the past? You know, like to, 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 to put us on into your, you know, your whip game. Because your whip game yeah. is mean, bro. Yeah, I got the lamb truck now. Yeah, I think one of my biggest passions in life is cars. Um I've never owned or driven a car for any other reason um, because it, for me, it gives me, it's an adrenaline rush. It puts a massive smile on my face and yeah, it's a passion. It's a massive, I've always, always had a massive passion for cars. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, I've obviously I have a, quite a few mates. Um, one of my good friends, Justin DeVoris, mm who's got Daytona in, in South Africa. Shout out to Daytona. Most, shout out to Daytona. Shout out to Daytona. Yeah, he's, he's got some of the most prestigious brands. And yeah, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to drive some amazing cars throughout, you know, growing up and, and throughout my career, you know, obviously with the rugby and playing and, and, and I've had some, some nice cars, I would say. And What are some of the other cars you've whipped in the past? Tell us, we want to know. Uh... <laughs> I've had a lamb model, yeah, color. <laughs> <laughs> I murder everything out, boy. Suspension, <laughs> aftermarket wheels. Well, well, let me let me cut let me cut let me cut you off there for a sec. I want to tell I want to share something. Toyota with gang the, with the listeners. <laughs> I want to share something with the listeners. Something amazing. So, Franco mentioned in um, sort of I think maybe one or two questions back he mentioned that he has a burning desire to uh, be successful and um i think when we met probably in 13 14 um he said to me he's like and keep in mind i was probably about 18 then he said mate i will have a lamborghini shortly I'm going to have an Aventador shortly. And I thought, okay, great. I mean, you know, in my mind, I was like a Lamborghini Aventador is so far from where we are right now, you know? Um, and I remember he said that and I was like, cool. I mean, like, I know it could be possible and I have, you know, the same burning desire. But when we met, we just clicked because finally I met someone who was like, anything is possible, you know, and actually spelt it out, wrote it in black and white and said it. Mm. You know, when they say, you know, like say it with your chest, we would say it with our chest, like, I will get a yacht, I will get an event, or I will get a jet, you know, and to find someone who had that mindset was insane. But the most important thing was at the time, 
we were driving Toyotas, right? Let's go. <laughs> we were driving Toyotas and we used to call each other Toyota gang, right? Toyota boys. And, Toyota boys. <laughs> we still we still call each other Toyota that. Gang. Toyota gang boy. So yeah, we're so 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 the main point is wherever you are, right? Wherever you are. You gotta look forward, and you gotta you, you just can't stop, man. Like just keep pushing forward, and it's all possible. Yeah, till you achieve that, and then on to the next. So, like I say, yeah, it's it's always been a massive it's been a massive passion of mine, and um, I'm very fortunate and obviously very thankful that I've been able to, you know, to drive these cars because you know you can't get too attached to it because you know you don't want to sit and lose. So the way I see it is I always, doesn't matter if it's a nice car, obviously to a certain amount or, or um, but if you have contacts or know people in the industry and they can find something at the right price and you can sell it off a few months after and you can make money out of it, why not enjoy it? Absolutely, bro. So I think, I think for me, you know, the key nugget out of this you know, guys, it's not necessarily about being materialistic. It's not necessarily about putting money ahead of your values. I think it's very important that your values come first, your principles come first. Integrity is very important in business and life. You know, you break bread with your homies, you get rich together or whatever, you know, and spoil yourself, you know. You know, For sure, you know the homies went from Toyotas to Lambo trucks, you know, I'm feeling that. That's that's 100%. clean. So, 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 Franco, when you pull up, when my team wins, I win, my man. Yeah, Franco, just put me on real quick. So, Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon, maybe when you don't have a game, you're out there in the streets of the UK, you know, and you pull up in a Lambo truck, um, you know, like, like, <laughs> you know, looking sick. You're playing your Drake. I'm sure you're playing Dreezy or whatever in your whip. And like, there's a bunch of like shorties, you know, like, you know, on the street corner or by the traffic lights. And then you just pull up with all that swag. What do they say, boy? What are they saying to you? Surely they're like, yo, what's good? You know, like, <laughs> I need to ride with you, brother. <laughs> what does it say? Yeah, I think the, the people, it's always nice to see the reaction, you know, from people, especially admiring the car. Uh, I don't ever want to take any credit for anything, <laughs> but it's nice to see the reactions you get from people Absolutely. out there. You know, it's it's um, like I said, I'm I'm very thankful and 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 blessed to be able to drive a car like this. Yeah, but um, for me, it's it was never about being materialistic. It's it's one of my biggest passions growing up since I can remember. So. That's what it's all about, you know. It's it's about enjoying it, living out your passion. Absolutely, and you've earned it, brother. You deserve it. So, you know, take it to the top. So, bro, in addition to whips, you also, you know, really into fashion. You've been, you know, you've been a, a co-owner of Gold Street, you know, which is one of my favorite brands of of the of the past five ten years. And I'm not just saying this because you and Yanni are my business partners, but Yanni knows this. I was copying Gold Street like before I knew him. I still have a whole bunch of that stuff in my, you know, in my in, in my closet. I still rock it to this day. Uh, but other than that, 
you know, you've always and you've always been stylish, bro. So and people just need to go to like your IG. And yeah, you know, when you answer the next question, <laughs> just put people onto your IG handle, just in case they are slumbering. Uh, but yeah, you've always been into fashion. You're very stylish. You know, like, what would, what, how would you describe your fashion sense, your style? And what are, what are some of the favorite brands that, you know, you, 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 you're rocking right now? What are some of the brands that you feel? Because I know you're into a lot of, like, you know, super, super cool brands, whether it's from the States or European or... Asian or whatever, you know? So, so what would you say, you know, your style is? How would you describe it? <sighs> Easy going, man. I think for me, it's, you know, to feel confident and comfortable. Don't overthink it. If I'm confident in what I'm wearing, I don't, I don't know what kind of style I have, but it's, for me, it's when I feel confident and comfortable in what I wear. I think, I don't think you should over, overthink it. Just, Rock whatever you want to rock. Do do you, you know. You shouldn't necessarily care so much about what people think about what you... You obviously do get judged and stuff, but for me it's about feeling... You know, and sometimes like you wear th something that not all people are going to like, but um, it's about being confident in, in, in what you're wearing. I think one of my most favorite brands that's still dropping is... Let's just get a round of applause for Tao. I think that is going to be massive. Um, I can't. I, I I definitely can't. I definitely can't wait for for the tile range to drop. Um, it's going to be it's going to be huge, and and I know you you boys have put a lot a lot a lot of effort into into it, and people will still see, they'll they'll soon see what you know what's been put in. You know, kind of behind the scenes and and the effort that's that's been put into this brand. So, definitely very very excited about that. But yeah, I'm mainly whatever I feel comfortable and confident in. You know, I mix it up a little bit of everything. I mean, I've been I've been on that best dressed GQ list. So I mean, <laughs> <sighs> tell them, tell them, my boy, tell them, tell them. They need to know. No, no, no. That was also, yeah, it was amazing to be nominated, but yeah. These are facts. It was cool. These are facts, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry. Um, <laughs> let's let's move on to um, what I know is one of your favorite hobbies, uh, travel, right? Um, you and I have obviously been to a few continents together on some amazing trips. Let's talk about your your favorite cities. And along with that, tell us about an experience that, that you've had somewhere that was unique and perhaps funny or shaped you. Ah, uh, 305, uh, one of my favorites. But yeah, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to travel, you know, all over, especially with work, you know, playing super rugby. We used to travel to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, obviously, Australia is one of, you know, was one of my favorite places to go. Sydney and Brisbane, uh, Coogee Beach, unbelievable place. Um, yeah, and obviously been to Argentina, been all over, you know, but I think one of my favorite places definitely, obviously I've been there with you is Miami. Uh, I've been with you to New York, Dubai. But yeah, I think I think one of my favorites definitely Miami. I think um, it's such a multicultural um, city, and I think if you 
step into the art district, you see what it's all about. Um, I think one of the best times I've had in Miami was at one of my mate's birthdays. Um, it was, yeah, most probably one of the best um, birthdays I've ever been to, and that was in Miami. But, yeah, definitely one of my most favorite cities. Okay. Nice, brother. Nice. So just sort of closing. And then obviously the island life, you know, that's beautiful. Yeah. Maldives. It's completely the opposite. But yeah, Greece, definitely. Um, Subvaki and Pita, that kind of thing, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the motherland. So, so you know what, bro, let's just wrap it up. Um, Let's, let's share with the listeners your mantra. So in, in short, what is your well what's your life mantra i think for me it's pretty simple just to be really really successful in everything i do um i want to give everything i do my 100% and be super successful in that always try to be but along the way inspire people to you know be, to give their everything in to be you know, whether it's to show people that they can make it or give them a bit of hope or, you know, to inspire someone to, you know, to take something on or to take that that leap of faith or step, then so be it. But, yeah, to inspire people and definitely to be successful in kind of everything I do. Yeah, I think the the amazing part of our, our partnership altogether between you, Nick, and I is that, we share the same sentiments. I mean, you know, that's the goal. And I think to inspire people, I've, I've uh, witnessed it firsthand is a beautiful thing. You know, um, changing someone's life could be, could happen in so many ways. So that's, we definitely aligned there. I think that's also why, you know, we get along, not only get along so well is why we are going to be so successful. I'm just putting it out there. We're going to be so successful in Taos because we're all working towards the same goal. We all got the same mindset. And it's very, very rare that you find someone that you can relate to on that level, that you have got that same drive, that same mindset, and you bounce off one another. And and when we're in the same room, even not in the same room, when we're on a Zoom call on a meeting, we got that energy flowing. And that's that's super, super rare, but you know, something so, so special. So I'm putting it out there. It's going to be mad, mad successful. From your lips to God's ears, brother. Let's go. Amen. Absolutely. So, gents, I think uh, I think we've uh, we've reached the hour mark, um, and I'll wrap it up by saying this has been a very inspiring conversation, Francois, my brother. You're an inspiration. Uh, you know, you're an inspiration to millions and millions of people out there. Uh, you should never. Uh, underplay your contribution to the game. A lot of people look up to you. You know, you've you started at the bottom, at the bottom, brother, and you grinded your way uh, to the top. What I've learned from this conversation is, you know, the the power of obviously hard work. You know, uh, you need a you need a really really good you know, um, you know, a, a, a drive to succeed in life, in sport. Uh, but what I love about you is, you know, you put values and principles and ethics like, you know, really, really, really high, you know. And and I think 
any aspiring athlete that's listening to this conversation, if there's something that you must take away from the from Francois is that, you know, your 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 career in sport has a limited shelf life. Unfortunately, you cannot play football till you're 90, 90 years old. Even Cristiano Ronaldo, at some point, you will have to, you know, uh, uh, retire. It's just facts of life. So what you really, really need is while you're doing your thing, you know, whether it's football or rugby, etc., you already need to start working on your post-retirement plan. And, you know, if there's one person that's doing that, it's obviously you, Francois. You know, like, you have that on lock. And I really believe that you're going to be, you know, a billionaire one day. I really believe that. And not just in rands, in dollars uh, or pounds, you know, <laughs> uh, inshallah. So, so, you know, so it's really important that you must have that post-retirement plan, you know. But, you know, business should not just be about money. That's another thing I've learned from you. Business you know, should be about purpose. It should it should be about, you know, fulfillment. You need to fulfill your purpose and you need to like really, really like be passionate about what you're doing. So it was an amazing conversation. So guys, I just want to remind everyone, Dow is on social media. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. It's Dow, T-A-U, athletics with an S at the end. Follow us on the gram. Follow us on Twitter. Like we said, uh, there's amazing things that are coming up, you know, on Dow in the next couple of months. We promise to blow your minds away, you know. So this is episode two of Africa Made. I'm signing out from Johannesburg, you know, the city that never sleeps. You know, shout out to my homies, Yanni Chris out there in Scottsdale, Arizona. Shout out to my homie, Francois, out there in the UK. Thanks for listening. Tell everybody about Africa Made. Tao coming very soon. Salute. Much love. Salute. Thank you, Jens.